He was a very fair-haired, white-eyelashed sort of chap, who seemed to grow at such a rate that he was always too big for his clothes, and showed an unusual amount of wrist and ankle even for a boy. Most people who met him thought him a very stupid boy at first, but those who came to know him well found that he was a rather a sharp, clever fellow, but a remarkably shy dog. We called him Doddle. His mother was a widow, and he was an only son, and had been spoiled, of course, so that he was not put to school till he was nearly twelve years of age. He had been at several schools before coming to ours, but had been deemed by each successive schoolmaster a hopeless imbecile. And he was so mischievous that they advised his poor mother to take him away and try if she could not instill a little knowledge into him herself. The old lady was a meek, simple body, and quite as stupid as her hopeful son appeared to be. Hearing that our master was a sharp fellow, and somewhat noted as a good manner of obstreperous boys, she brought him to our school as a last resource, and having introduced him to the master, went her way. It was near the end of the play-hour when she brought him, so he was turned out into the playground, and stood there looking like a mongrel curler, turned unexpectedly into a kennel of pointers. "'Well, Doddle,' said one of the sixth-form boys, going up to him and addressing him for the first time, by the name which stuck to him forever, "'where did you grow, and who cut you down and tossed you in here?' eh said doddle looking sheepish what's your name man and where did you come from and how old are you and how far can you jump without a race and in fact i want to know all about you my name's tommy thompson replied the boy and i at that moment the bell rang and the remainder of his sentence was drowned in the rush of the rest of us to the classroom when all was quiet the master called doddle up and said well thompson my boy your mother tells me you have learned a little grammar and a little arithmetic I hope that we shall instill into you a good deal of those branches of learning, and of many others besides, ere long. Let me hear what you can do. I can play hockey and dumps, began Doddle, in a sing-song tone, and with the most uncommonly innocent expression of visage. And I can— Stay, boy, interrupted the master, smiling. I do not want to know what you can play at. Keep silence until I put a few questions to you. What is English grammar? Eh? Don't say A when you fail to understand me. Say Sir interrogatively. What is English grammar? It's a book. The master looked over the top of his spectacles at Doddle in surprise. English grammar, said he, slowly, and with a slight touch of sternness, is indeed contained in a book, but I wish to know what it teaches. A, uh, I mean Sir interrogatively. What does English grammar teach, boy? cried the master angrily. Doddle laid hold of his chin with his right hand, and looked down at the floor with an air of profound thought, saying slowly, in an undertone to himself, "'What does English grammar teach? Teach grammar teach. It teaches—uh—I don't know what it teaches. Perhaps you can tell me, sir?' He looked up, and uttered the last sentence with such an air of blank humility that we all had to cram our pocket-handkerchiefs into our mouths to prevent a universal explosion. The master looked over his spectacles again at Doddle, with an expression of unutterable amazement. We looked on with breathless interest, not unmingled with awe, for we expected some awful outbreak on the part of the master, who seemed quite unable to make up his mind what to do or say, but continued to stare for merely a minute at the boy, who replied to the stare with a humble, idiotic smile. Suddenly the master said sharply, "'How much are seven times nine? Five hundred and forty-two and a half,' answered Doddle, without a moment's hesitation. The master did not look surprised this time, but he took Doddle by the shoulder, and drawing him towards his chair, looked earnestly into his face. Then he said quietly, "'That will do, Thompson. Go to your seat.' This was all that occurred at that time. During a whole week the master tried by every means to get Doddle to learn something, but Doddle could learn nothing, 
yet he seemed to try. He pored over his book, and muttered with his lips, and sometimes looked anxiously up at the ceiling, with an expression of agony on his face that seemed to indicate a tremendous mental effort. Every species of inducement was tried, and occasionally punishment was resorted to. He was kept in at play hours, and was put in a corner during school hours, and once, the master having lost patience with him, he was flogged. But it was all one to doddle. All the methods tried proved utterly unavailing. He could not be got to acquire a single lesson, and often gave such remarkable answers that we all believed him to be mad. On the Monday forenoon of his second week at the school, the master called him up again for an examination. "'Now, Thompson,' he began, "'you have been a long time over that lesson. Let us see how much of it you have learned. What is etymology?' "'Etymology,' answered Doddle, "'is, is an irregular pronoun.' "'Boy!' cried the master sternly. "'Please, sir,' pleaded Doddle, with a deprecatory air. "'I, I suppose I was thinking o' one of the other homologies, not the eddy one.' "'Ha!' ejaculated the master. "'Well, tell me, how many parts of speech are there?' Nineteen, answered the boy, quite confidently. "'Oh!' exclaimed the master, with a good deal of sarcasm in his tone. "'Pray name them.' In a very sing-song voice, and with an air of anxious simplicity, Doddle began— Article, noun, adjective, pronoun, verb, adverb, preposition, conjunction, interjection, outerjection, beginning with I-E-S in the plural, as baby, babies, lady, ladies, Haiti, Hades. Please, sir, isn't that last one a bad word? The boy is a lunatic, muttered the master. The boys in the class were far past laughing now. We were absolutely stunned. The master seemed perplexed, for Donald was gazing at him with a look of mild self-satisfaction. "'I say, Peterkin,' whispered the boy next to me, "'as sure as you're alive, that boy's shamming stupid.' Presently the master, who had been turning over the leaves of the grammar in a way that showed he was not conscious of what he was about, looked up and said abruptly, "'What is a proper noun?' "'A well-behaved one,' replied Doddle. At this the whole school tittered violently. "'Silence, boys!' cried the master, in a tone that produced the desired effect so thoroughly you might have heard a pin drop. Then, laying his hand on Doddle's shoulder, he looked him full in the face, and said solemnly, "'Thompson, I have found you out. Go, sir, to your seat, and remain behind when the other boys go to the playground.' We observed that Doddle grew very red in the face as he came back to his seat, and during the rest of the hour he never once looked up. During the whole of the play hour the master and he remained shut up together in the schoolroom. We never discovered what took place there between them, for neither threats nor coaxing could induce Doddle afterwards to speak on the subject, but from that day forward he was a changed boy. He not only learned his lessons, but he learned them well, and in the course of time became one of the best scholars in the school, so that although he never would admit it, we all came to the conclusion that he had been shamming stupid, attempting to deceive the master into the belief that he was incurable, and thus managed to get rid of lessons in school altogether. "'A most remarkable boy,' observed Jack, when Peterkin concluded. "'Certainly he beat the monkey's hollow.' "'I wonder,' said I, "'what the master did or said to him "'that wrought such a mighty change.' "'Dunno,' replied Peterkin. "'I suppose he told him that now he had found him out, "'he would flay him alive if he didn't give in, "'or something of that sort.' "'We had now entered the dark forest "'that edged the plain over which we had been walking, "'and further conversation on this subject was stopped, "'and the subject itself banished utterly from our minds "'by the loud, startling cry of a gorilla "'at no great distance from us.' "'Hist! That's him!' whispered Peterkin. 
Instantly throwing our rifles into position of readiness, we pushed rapidly through the underwood in the direction whence the cry had come. End of chapter 12